Let's pray for a minute. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this uh, these weeks of discussion on worship and use it to heighten our awareness of the different ways to worship you. We ask you now to speak to us from your scriptures and beyond that, visit us individually, those here, those watching that um, you will speak what is in your heart to your children even to those that are yet to be your children. In Jesus' name, amen. Come Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Psalm, I mean, uh, Isaiah 38. This is New American Standard. Uh, Isaiah is, uh, in his prophecies, he does a little storytelling, and he tells the story of Hezekiah, on the two chapters before this, and it picks up with the king of Assyria coming to attack. <clears throat> you can find this in Second Kings chapter 20. Also, the more the longer version that you're used to. So this is a short one, so we're not going to talk about <clears throat> the king of Assyria coming. We're going to talk about uh, what goes on in the midst of this. Picture. <clears throat> me. <clears throat> I worked with cement dust yesterday. Again, a few times. Um, we can take the stories uh, and the history of Scripture and then try to find applications for ourselves uh, in this time period. So, Hezekiah is minding his own business, so to speak. He's being the king of Israel. And the king of Assyria sends his primary representative to uh, the dignitaries outside of Jerusalem. The Jewish dignitaries go out to meet him. <coughs> and he pretty much says, you need to give up and give us everything or we're going to attack you. And they say to him, uh, why don't you say this in like, uh, say this in, a, we understand Assyrian, why don't you say this in Assyrian? So he just gets that much louder because this guy's so good, he can speak uh, Hebrew. So he changes it into Hebrew, not what the dignitaries from the king wanted him to do. He starts yelling in Hebrew. And he says, if you don't give up, you're going to eat your own children for food. And the king is not going to protect you. And then he starts listing all the countries that the king of Assyria has taken over. You're next. So Hezekiah had told his dignitaries that were going outside of town to meet him. He said, don't answer him whatever he says, which is what they did. They didn't say anything back. They came back inside as soon as they got in the door, so to speak, inside the walls of, that was around Jerusalem, they rent their clothes, <laughs> they go to the king and tell the king what he said. Isaiah comes and talks to Hezekiah and says, the Lord God is going to take care of them. 
he's going to take care of this problem. Now, you go ahead and you read that in the two chapters before. So as this event is going on and takes a period of time, it's not like we do war here. You know, it takes, takes a while. You've got a whole army bringing up the army outside. They're, getting, they're fortifying Jerusalem and all this stuff. The prophet comes and tells them this is going to be taken care of. And what happens? God strikes down 100 and what is it, 185,000? 185,000 of the Assyrians in their camp. Also sends message from back home saying there's trouble at home. You need to come back to this general who's leading the army for the king of Assyria. And so they go back. But even as they go back, they go, we got some stuff back home to do, but we'll be back. And God says to Isaiah, no, he won't. And as the story goes on, of course, we don't. This is happening. This chapter 38 is happening at the very same time that this part is going on. So meanwhile, in Jerusalem, Hezekiah gets sick. Now, the prophet has says he's going to be taken care of. What takes place is as he goes back to Assyria, it doesn't go well. The king of Assyria is attacked by two of his sons kill him with a sword. So you can imagine that the plan for his general to attack Jerusalem doesn't come about because he's dead. And there's one of his boys has become king and it's not in his plan to come there. But Hezekiah doesn't know this. All that Hezekiah has has been a real hectic time. It's sort of like everybody's dressed for COVID. They're doing all this stuff. Uh, just your normal day at the office. China has attacked India. Some of the Indian army were killed on the border the other day. India struck back. They attacked the Chinese army. We don't know how many, but we, we can pretty much tell that they lost more than India did, and they're in a standoff still at the Indian border with China. We've got six square blocks in downtown Seattle occupied by a group of people that want to do other things. Statues of different people down and through history uh, are not pleasing people and they're taking down statues. Uh, they're either taking them down or they're knocking them down. And that's just a tidbit of stuff in our time period. In his time period, there, there's a real big deal going on here. And so this is not even settled yet. And Hezekiah gets sick. Chapter 38, verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became sick to the point of death or mortally ill. And Isaiah the prophet came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. What an opening line. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the king of Assyria and all this other stuff, but it gets worse. You're really sick. You need to get, it, get everything fixed up because you're going to be with God. The, prime, the number one prophet, the number one of the major prophets has come to you and told you. He never misses whatever Isaiah says. He hears it so clearly that those things happen. And Isaiah has come and told him, you're going to go home and be with the Lord. Verse 2, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. He's so sick, he's, he's lying down. And he prays to the Lord. And he says, 
Remember now, O Lord, I beseech you, how I have walked before you. And there's a little bit of a list here. In truth, with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Now, we always have to act like in the moment that we're reading it that we don't know what's going to happen next. We know this part. Just because Hezekiah, let's come into our time, just because Hezekiah prays these things, does that mean it's going to go well? Just because you do something of parallel, does it mean that it's going to go the way you want it to go? You don't know. Your job, like Hezekiah, like Hezekiah is to be, like just the work with the, the psalm and stuff that you're doing, um, is about when you come to the Lord to speak to Him, do you come in truth? Do you come with your whole heart? You're fully present with all of your feelings, whatever you're feeling. Are you bold enough to tell him or say, Lord, here's the things I've done. He's saying that because he doesn't want it to be over. It's okay to cry bitterly if you've been told something that you don't have a long time. Verse 4. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah. Now, it doesn't say it right here. This is the short version because Isaiah is writing it. In Kings, it says that Isaiah was walking across the courtyard. I mean, he's left the king. He's heading out the door on down. And Hezekiah goes into this prayer spontaneously after the prophets just talked to him. And God stops him before Isaiah gets out of town. He says, go back. I got another new word for you. To give him. Verse 4. And then the, then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah saying. Go and say to Hezekiah. Thus saith the Lord. Now that's the all capitalized word for the Lord. Which means we don't pronounce it. You know. That's what, where we say the word Yahweh. Which is just four letters. It's not a word. It's so holy. You know, always when it goes all caps like that, it's the holy name. The God of your father, and so then, thus saith the Lord, the God of your father, David, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. That's a good place to remember that when you pray, God is watching. God is listening. He's not ADD like me and his mind's on something else in the backyard or somewhere or looking at an airplane or 15 other things all at the same time. He is right there with you in the moment. When you talk to him, he sees you, he hears you. He says, behold. Behold's always a, and this is a big thing. Behold. I will add 15 years to your life. And I will deliver you. What's one? I've, I've, I, have, I have heard your prayers. I've seen your tears. I'm going to add 15 years to your life. 
I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. The war is not over with the Assyrians. He doesn't know what's going to happen back in Assyria with a king getting killed by his sons. God's sent a pretty good message with a lot of parts to it. Verse 7, And this shall be the sign to you from the Lord. Now in Kings, Hezekiah is still sick. Can't get up out of the bed. King of Assyria, you know, just gone for a little while. His army has left town right this minute. And so he says to Isaiah, how am I going to know that what you've just said to me is true? And, you know, and he says, well, the shadow is going to back up the steps. The way the shadow comes down the steps through that window every day, you know, the sun is setting. It's going to go, instead of setting, coming down the steps, the shadow line, the shadow line is going to go backwards. He says, so the sign to you, verse 7, from the Lord is that the Lord will do this thing that he's spoken. Verse 8, behold, I will cause the shadow on the stairway, which has gone down with the sun on the stairs uh, of Aziz, to go back ten steps. So the sun's shadow went back ten steps on the stairway on which it had gone. I sign and wonder. In Jewish talk, Sign and wonder is not something you can control. It takes place out there. It's usually in the heavens. It's someplace. It, 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 isn't, it isn't a healing. It is something so big, so uh, you, can't, you can't have anything to do with it. It's something, you know, the sun goes dark. It's something big. It's a sign and a wonder. So this was a sign and a wonder which means that the rotation of the earth, the retrograde of the earth, that's going on approximately a thousand miles per hour for it rotating all the time, stops, rotates the other direction far enough for it, the shadow to back up, and then forward rotation returns to a thousand miles an hour. Yesterday afternoon at 4.44 Central Daylight Time, we reached the summer solstice, which is the furthest path of the wobble that we have that goes on all the time, is 23 and a half degrees. So at 4.44 yesterday, that's a really God number for the number of creation, tripled means it's a big deal. It's interesting that it was 4.44. That was the high point of the wobble. That was the last it starts back. The wobble, even though it's rotating a thousand miles an hour, you know, it's wobbling slightly. The wobble, that's the peak. So today, there will be 90 seconds less sunlight than yesterday. Yesterday is the longest day of the year and the shortest night. We will go until winter solstice takes place, the first day of winter, and then the daylight, which keeps getting shorter, will start getting longer. And the night, which has gotten long, will start getting short. So around the world, down through the centuries, different people groups celebrate.
these two days. They really celebrate in the winter because they're not sure if the darkness is not going to just continue until it's darkness all the time. They celebrate the summer because they know the lengthening of the day has stopped. And it's kind of like the, in the natural, it is sort of like Ecclesiastes, there is a time and a purpose for everything under heaven. Time is moving on exactly the way the Lord wants it to. Now, he might change it. You know, we, we are currently in one of those time periods where the magnetic North Pole, which does not match the North Pole, moves. It is moving. For some reason, it moves. We, we know it ties with, a, with the liquid core of this planet, and the liquid core of this planet has a lot of iron in it, and because of that and, and, the, and the way the Earth is made, the magnetic North Pole moves. When it moves far enough, they have to reset the geo, the, the global positioning system has to be adjusted. Otherwise, your phones won't be, it won't say you're here. It'll say that you're across the street down, down, the, down six blocks and you're not. You'll go, wait a minute, no, I'm on 417 Broad Street. Well, your phone thinks it's, you're on Rainbow Drive in front of McDonald's because it's set with this geosynchronous positioning system based on magnetism, North Pole. So that was the short version of it. So what does he follow this up with? Verse 9. A writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, after his sickness and recovery, Isaiah the prophet records this. Now, this is not necessary because this is a prophecy. But he's included this in, in his book, which this doesn't fit. This is special. He says, I sit in the middle of my life. I'm about to enter the gates of Sheol. I'm about to be deprived of the rest of my years. I said, I will not see the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. I will look on man no more among the inhabitants of the world. Like a shepherd's tent, my dwelling is pulled up and removed from me. And as a weaver, it's rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom and from day, from day until night, you make an end of me. He's grieving over this. He's written this all down. He's keeping it in his diary. You know, this is painful, this event that's going on. I composed my soul until morning like a lion, so he, so he breaks all my bones, and from the day until night you make an end of me. And like a swallow, like a crane, so I twitter. Look, Twitter's already involved in the world. I moan like a dove. My eyes look wistfully to the heights. You know, that's when you're sick and you're going, wish I could go to the beach, wish I could go to the mountains, wish I could go anywhere except being sick and can't get up. Oh, Lord, I'm oppressed. Be my security. He's praying on the bed and writing out what he's going through. Verse 15, what shall I say? He's spoken to me. He himself has done it. I will wander about all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. Oh, Lord, by these things men live, and in all of these is the life of my spirit. Oh, restore me to health and let me live. Lo, for my own 
welfare. I have great bitterness. It is you who has kept my soul from the pit of nothingness. For you have cast all my sins before your back. For Sheol cannot thank you. Death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your faithfulness. It is the living who gives thanks to you as I do today. A father tells his sons about your faithfulness. Now today is Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to anybody that's a father or is going to be a father. I wrote a note over on the side. I always pick Bibles that got really wide margins so I could put notes in them. April the 13th, 2016. Yet I will tell of my deliverance from 2503. This is my house in Southside. That's its address. I will wait. Four years ago I wrote that. Four years ago, I wrote it at a point when there was no end in sight. I was going to have to be a renting landlord forever. I'd already been this way for a long time. The houses are divided right now. There is an alley where there used to be a connection. I have contacted the insurance company and said, insure this house. This is not connected to me. My power has been returned to my house, which has been moved since 1990. I have a power pole with a, now it's not all hooked up. I've got four emergency 20 amp circuits I've put on, but I can run it like that. It is the living who gives thanks to you as I do today. A father tells his sons about your faithfulness. I will tell my grandchildren about the time that the houses were separated and the time they were connected. And I will say, you need to think about things. Things, decisions you make today may affect you for the next 30 years. Don't do things in haste. Walk it out. Think what might be. Can you live with these other outcomes? Or otherwise, you're going to pray for 30 years about it. Verse 20. The Lord will surely save me. And Liz, worship head of our worship leaders. The next line. So we will play my songs on stringed instruments. All the days of our life at the house of the Lord. Hezekiah, because he's had this experience, he wrote songs. He told the story to his sons later. That he was going to die. That they were going to be attacked by the king of Assyria. And neither of those things happened. God fought for them. And I'm sure he says, if he fights for me, he'll fight for you. Amen. After Jesus rose from the dead on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, we moved as Christians worship from the Jewish day of the week, which is Sabbath, which is our Saturday from evening to evening. From Friday evening at, at sunset until Saturday evening at sunset, we moved it to the day that he rose from the dead. 
Every time we meet on Sunday, it is the Lord's day. It is the day of the resurrection. It is the sign of the coming of God. Some of y'all saw earlier me playing with the, with the, the flower pictures. The reason I went around and would stop in every time one of Patsy's flowers or I would see a flower or a sunset, I purposely stopped this year and took two or three pictures of them because they are a witness against a half-alive virus that's attacking humanity. I don't know why viruses exist, but they are not the same. They steal life from somewhere else to live. That's how they're designed. But these flowers, they pass on, they pass on, they pass on. And every time spring comes and early summer comes, different ones bloom at different times. And the red ones call out to all the hummingbirds up on where I live, and they all come looking for something red, which tells me that they're probably from somewhere in the world where passion leads, because they don't come to the green ones. They like the red ones, because the nectar in there is just, that's the stuff they like. And it just so happens that these accidental little birds that just invented themselves because of there is no God and it's just molecular interaction, it just so happened that they decided that they would make their, wing, their feathers iridescent. And iridescent, what happens is, is when you look at them from one angle, they look green. You slightly move and they look blue. And they, and they change colors just based on the light surface, yeah, on the body of the hummingbird. And they have like, they'll have these red bands around their neck at one angle, another angle, they don't have it. And you go, wow, those are amazing atoms. Those atoms which have, they're just brilliant. These atoms talk to each other and said, hey, I don't want to be these anymore. I think I'll change colors. Hope that's okay with you. you got to have a special kind of stupid to believe that this all just happened. I mean, you you got to work at being stupid. Why aren't the trees all upside down? Why aren't, why aren't the, are the color of the roots upwards, the way roots look, and the flowering parts are buried in the ground? Why not? Why put things that are, are pretty to look at? How do we know that her color, the, the color of her shirt is really a, kind of a red-orange? It is red-orange to y'all, is that right? Is that the range you see? Okay, so then we, we can figure that out on a scale, on the color spectrum of what that is. We can find that exactly the sine wave of that color. And it's exactly not that. This is the art teacher talking. Sunlight 
are the light that these artificial lights are producing. And, the, and so up here, if I look up, some of them are blue-white, so that means they're toward the blue range, and other ones are yellow. But the color that they're producing together is close to a natural color. And so that particular shirt is absorbing all of the light spectrum except the red-orange band. All of the color goes into that except that one, and that one bounces off, and your eye picks it up. Black is hot because it absorbs almost the whole spectrum of color. White is white because it reflects all the color. You get in a white car and a black car, which one's going to be hotter? The black car. Why? Electromagnetic spectrum, it's absorbing all the light bands. The white one is reflecting. So there's a temperature range change. Smart atoms, isn't it? Brilliant. Those atoms are amazing how they think of these things. I just... <sighs> now Isaiah verse 21 had said, Let them take a cake of figs and apply it to the bull so that he may recover. He gave him a medicinal thing. So, you know, not only do we in the vineyard pray for the sick, sometimes the Lord gives us something physical to do. You know, go to the doctor, whatever. Verse 22, And Hezekiah had said, What is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? So, Isaiah's kind of you know, he's telling the story from his perspective. And the, the guys that record kings are, you know, they're line up on line kind of recording people. Turn with me to Matthew 28. I'm past time, but I'm going to go past time for a minute. Matthew 28, verses 16. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated... <clears throat> And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. <laughs> uh, I wonder the next few minutes that they're going to still be doubtful. You know, when all of a sudden he's talking to him, and then he just starts lifting up off of the ground until he disappears in the sky. And they go, wow, I'm not sure that really happened. I think it was something I had to eat. In verse 18, and Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go to Luke, or I will, Luke 24, verse 46 through 53. And he said to them, Thus it's written that the Christ will suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in the name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, meaning the Holy Spirit, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high, which is the day of Pentecost. And he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands. He blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried into heaven. And they also, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and with great 
and with continually in the temple blessing or praising God. Okay, so he calls out to people. Basically says, you're a rebel, but I want you to be a child. I'm offering you life. What do you choose? You said yes. Some way. In, in language and in action, you said yes. You have become born again. You become a child of God. What does that mean? That is like being adopted into a country and you become a citizen of that country and you become an ambassador of that country. You and I are now ambassadors, representatives of the kingdom of heaven. We are no longer to be this other way. Now, the, the, the hard part is that our natural soulish part can rise up and take over temporarily and override the spirit man. And when, you're, when your natural mind are your, are your emotions, the, the, you know, they're there, you're one person, but you got these parts. When, when they rise up and take control over your spirit driving you, the tail becomes the head and the head becomes the tail. It's not supposed to be that way. Your spirit man is the head. Your spirit man communes with God because you and, him, you and he are one. You've been born again, born from above. You're a representative of the kingdom because you're a, you're a member of the kingdom. When you say in Jesus' name, something's liable to happen. When you're saying it just out of your head or it's just your emotions because you want it to, usually it just doesn't do anything because it wasn't his will. But the times, the times when you come as a representative and you say it and, and you just know that you know it or whatever, he's just using it. Sometimes you don't, you're, you're so like me, I, I got so many other things going on, I don't know I'm talking for the king until I see something happen. Sometimes it happens right that second. Sometimes it, it starts and I don't see it and then they tell me later. But something changes because you're a representative. The enemy wants to get us to the place because of, we didn't eat, we didn't sleep, we had emotion, we had some, some way he wants us to invert, get ourselves turned around so the so the head is not the head, the head's become the tail, the natural man has taken over. When the natural man takes over, you know it, because he shoots flaming arrows at other people. He does not look like Jesus. Jesus says, you've seen me, you've seen the Father, the Father and I are one. The Holy Spirit's come to live in you, the third person of the Godhead, so if he's in you, you know what it's like to think like Jesus because the Holy Spirit has taken up camp inside of you. He will not override your will. Your will is always free. Your will can choose your soulish natural man and when you do that, you have inverted it again. It, ha it can happen to me once I leave you in 15 minutes. I can invert it. Right this moment, the Spirit is leading me. I can tell. I feel normal 
right now. I can hear, I can see spiritually. Churches all across this country, I don't know about the rest of the world, churches all across the country are listening to trying to do the right thing, listening to their government, listening to their mayors, listening to their governors, listening to their, their, all the people with authority like that, which is fine except that they're not listening to the spirit man first. This is not a natural soulless rebellion. Oh, we're Christians. We're just going to meet. We're not going to fall. That, that's the soul talking. Spirit people listen to the, are going to be at peace the whole time. And even if you do something that goes against your local government or your national government, if, the, if your spirit man is in charge and is the head, it'll be the right thing to do, even if you go to jail doing it. This happened down through the years. Christians doing the right thing have been burned at the stake in countries. There's Christians being persecuted today for doing the right things somewhere in the 183 countries of the world. I don't know what's next week. But I know that it, we, we need to, as individuals and together then, because we will combine our whatever. We don't have to all agree that one person comes up with the idea and the rest of us are just sheep and follow. We will have witness of whatever it is to do. But we need to all follow the, be the head, not the tail. And you're the head if you are connecting to the fact that you are a child of the king. You are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, the creator of all things. Whatever's going on around you is not in charge. They can have a giant rally and walk down the middle of the street, any people group that wants to. And if you go or you kneel or you do something because the soulish part of you thinks it's the right thing, you have become the tail and not the head. I have a copy of one of Keith Green's albums, the early one of them, and, and he had a painting done from someone. And it's, it's like uh, from the Old Testament. And everybody's kneeling except this one guy because he's kneeling for the local king and the Christian is standing up. And everybody's looking at him and trying to pull on to get down. And he's going, nope, not going to worship him. I worship God. This is Sunday. I don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But get in touch. If the tail, if your soulish nature is running you around, before you go to bed tonight, get this turned around so that the king is, is leading you and you are following him as an ambassador, as a representative. Act like your older brother Jesus. Pray that I will. I pray that you will. We need to do this. Pray that the church in America, this country, will do this. I, put, I posted a, a thing that showed my patio. Ten years ago, I laid stone. And I read the part about that you know, I needed to float the stones on one inch of sand. So up near the house, I did. And our, our backyard falls down the mountain. 
And so as I got further out, I kept, but you know, you start at some point, you go, if I put it on an inch here, it's not going to drop at the right rate. So I put it on two inches. And then as I got further out, I put it on three inches. And as I got to the end of the patio, I had four inches of wet sand that I stacked the stones on. And I put sand mix, uh, cement with sand mixed together. You know, you make a batch of it. And I used that for like the mortar. And it worked, looked really pretty. I can show you the picture of it. It was great from upstairs. It looked like a piano from way up above looking down on it. For the first year, it was great. And the second year, it, it was still, I thought, great. I did notice that there's these little tiny piles of sand every now and then when it would rain because there's certain kind of bugs that can bore through concrete, you know, and they kind of made little holes and some water would come down way up here and then it'd come out another hole down here where another bug had made a hole and then and the wet sand would come out and make a little pile of sand. I thought, man, I need to do something about that. Somewhere on the next second year there during the summer, I walked out there barefoot, stepped on the stone that I've been stepping on for the last two years, and as I did, I heard, I heard the mortar that I'd made between it go pop. Wow, there's a crack. Time marches on. Pretty soon I'm putting spare stones over the cracks. Pretty soon the stones are starting to make little pockets because the sand's washing out, washing out washing out. Now someone famous a long time ago his name is Jesus and he said something. He says you know if you hear my words and you do them you're like the man who builds his house upon a rock. The storms come and the rock stays but if you hear my words and you don't act on them you're like the man who builds upon the sand and the storms of life comes and rages and the house falls and great is the fall. You can't build a patio on four inches of sand. You can't take a nation and replace the rock with sand. Because there's no point. Somewhere down the road, don't be surprised when some group of anarchists take over six square blocks of a, of a big city and decide they'll just run it and run the police off. You go, how does that happen? Because this country and a lot of places has re replaced the stone of the word of God living by it with their own hand-me-down version of how they should live. And now they're building their lives on sand. It looks good until a storm comes. The solution in my backyard, because the grandkids are coming from Indianapolis tomorrow, was that Patsy had a list of some stuff she wanted me to do, and I said, I got one I want to work. Can I, can I work on some of this so they don't trip over those stones? Yeah. So I went out there, and I found one of the stones at the end of, of it that was still in the right place. I took a string fluorescent, you know, orange colored string and wrapped around a brick and went up to the beginning and pulled a string across that stone and put it on a brick there and I stretched it. 
I got one stone that's in the right place. I got maybe three stones in the right place. Next one's, no, they're collapsing. I take a collapsed stone out. I dig out all the sand that's underneath the collapsed stone, put it in a bucket. I've now got three buckets, three five-gallon buckets of, of, of sand, and I haven't even finished. I mixed up concrete, sand mix, cement, and sand, put it in the base, started taking rubble, pieces of, of better stone and other things, and mixing it in there and building it up, building it up until I could float the stone back under the string in the right position. This nation, any one of the 183 nations of the world, if they will recognize and humble themselves and say, we have started building our country on sand. Let us return to the word, the rock, which does not move. One by one, I have started replacing, plucking up stones that have collapsed and rebuilding, but this time not on sand, but on something that will be hard because you know what cement dust is, right? Cement dust is a rock that has been pulverized down to the, to the dust level, and it has taken the hydration of water removed from that crushed dust of that rock to the point that now when you open that bag of cement, if it's pure cement or it's a sand mix that's got sand in it or it's concrete and it's got some gravel, but the basic cement was pulverized rock that was dehydrated of all moisture. You add moisture to it, water to it, and you start mixing it up and whatever you want to do with that, and it's going to harden, isn't it, over the next few hours. And, then, and, then, and by the next day, you can stand on it. You think it's hard. It's not. It's heading back toward its original composition of being a stone. It will cure for the next 40-something years. So when you find old concrete and it's really hard, it's because it's been hardening itself for 40 years. It will turn back into the stone it had been before it was pulverized and dehydrated. Its mission is to get back to its natural state because in the molecular world, it's a stone. You can make it, crush it, and make it into a powder, and you'll know it's that because you put some, some, some cement in your hand and see how dry your hand turns after a while. It will suck all the water out of your hand. That's, it can suck out of your hand, and your hands will start cracking. The reason is, is because it's trying to get to its natural state. It wants its water back. It wants the composition of stone. That's what it was made for. No nation can stand that doesn't submit to the kingdom of heaven. Not this one, not even Israel, not anyone. Okay, that was just a little nice, simple, sweet thing we did, right? Bless you this Lord's Day. Bless you this Father's Day. Be the head, not the tail. Follow the King. Obey the King. All of us. In Jesus' name. Thanks for watching.